I want to talk to you today, continue on our subject um, on incarnating Christ, which is our year, a subject for the year. And in essence, we're talking about how can I live like Jesus? How can I be like Jesus? How can I express Christ through my life so that when people look at me, they can see Jesus more than they see myself? So um, we're going to continue here and we're going to talk today about uh, caring power. We've been doing a series on caring power and we've talked about how to encourage each other, how to be available, how to be compassionate and thoughtful with one another. Uh, next week uh, we're going to talk about respecting one another and uh, deferring to one another, but today I want to talk about accepting one another. So everybody t- turn to your neighbour and say he's going to tell us about accepting each other today. Yeah, accepting versus prejudice. I mean, it's a very difficult thing. Acceptance or learning to accept people or having prejudice, they're kind of opposite things. Accepting is being, you know, like understanding and having a sense of understanding and and acceptance toward a person, whereas a prejudice is something different. It's like, I I don't care who you are, you just got that color skin, so I don't like you, you know, or I don't care who you are, you just come from that side of the town and I don't like you. So that's a prejudice and that's uh, something that uh, is not good. So we're going to talk about accepting and we're going to talk about where prejudice comes from. Acceptance of others is taught very clearly in the scripture. In Romans chapter 14, verses 1, it says, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And in the whole chapter of Romans chapter 14, you, you find that he talks about learning to accept people who are different to you, even when they have different beliefs than you. Those different beliefs sometimes are not always the same ideas that you have. But there are lots of different diverse beliefs in, the, in Christendom which, which don't, Uh, impact on a person's faith in terms of their belief in Jesus. There are some essential issues that we cannot differ on. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus came from heaven and brought salvation. We cannot differ on those things. If we differ on those things, we become not Christian. But there are things like, you know, whether I should eat meat or I should drink or whether I should not eat, you know, or all the different things which are what we'd call issues which are not serious issues. We can have differences on those and we're to accept one another irrespective of what we believe. Romans chapter 15 verse 7 tells us that, that uh, accept one another then just as Christ Jesus accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So God is glorified with our ability to live in acceptance towards one another. So there's lots and lots of things in the, in the body of Christ that can bring differences. We can have unrealistic expectations of what it should look like. And we, we could look, be asking for sameness. Everybody's got to be the same. But that's clearly unrealistic. We cannot all be the same because we come from different parts of the world and we come into the body with different ministries and we come with different giftings. And because we have a difference and a diversity about us, it's very, very difficult to get the same thing happening at the same time. We come from different genders. Some of us are male and some of us are female. And, and, and that means there's going to be a difference. There's clearly different roles in the house with regard to women and men. So, you know, not all the time are we going to see things the same way because of a gender. There's different giftings, giftings and different functions in the body of Christ. There's different levels of maturity. In the, some are, are just newborn babies in Christ and, and some are mature in Christ. And because of that, there's a difference in view and a difference in, in emotional status and a different difference in maturity. So it's very, very difficult to get everything smooth in the body of Christ. So differences bring this whole thing of acceptance into focus. And acceptance is usually a huge challenge. It's hard work. Acceptance is a huge challenge. You know, trying to get everybody so that they can like everybody else and accept everybody else, even if they don't agree with everybody else and they refuse to accuse each other, but just to accept one another, it's a huge challenge. It's hard work. It's hard work. Prejudice, on the other hand, is quite easy. You don't have to do anything. Just believe what your mummy said or your daddy said or just believe what you've picked up on the, on the, on the, on the TV or on the, on the media. You know, just sit there and think, you know, I don't care what you say. I already got my mind made up. It's easy road. To be accepting it, it's hard work. You have to sit down. You have to work through what you believe. You have to be confident in what you believe. You have to have security in what you believe. You have to be comfortable where you are. And you have to be able to accept that somebody else is going to think something different from you and you don't have to try and change them. You can explain what you believe without trying to manipulate them. You can let God do the work of changing in them and that's acceptance. You can 
Accept a person without agreeing with a person and without accusing a person. Acceptance is hard work. Prejudice is easy. So we're going to talk about acceptance today. Now, if acceptance is easy, I mean hard in the, in the, in the church, it's woefully impossible in the world, if you think about that. It's going to be difficult, really, really difficult. I mean, if, if we have a difficult time just understanding that in a church that has multicultures in it, in a church that has different stratas in it, wealth and, and, and lower economic strata, if, if there's lots of differences in the church and it's hard to get acceptance, just imagine what it is like to accept people in the world. The people who don't go to church, the people you meet with in the street, the people who are completely different to you, people who do not love Jesus, are you meant to accept them as well? Well, of course you're meant to accept them. You're meant to love them and accept them like Christ loved and accepted us when we were sinners. You're meant to have the same love and the same acceptance. You don't have to agree with them and you don't have to accuse them, but you're meant to accept them. And that's really, really difficult when it comes to worldly things. It's going to be difficult. The world already has this opinion about us that we don't like them. They already have a view. I did a bit, a bit of a quick search on the, on the internet. And I, and I typed in Christians are, and I just sent sent, because I thought, well, what will come up? And all 94 million responses came out. Within the first 15 responses, Christians are hypocrites. Christians are delusional. Christians are getting love wrong. Christians, the real reasons Christians are leaving the church are Christians are narrow-minded. Christians are leaving the church in droves. Christians are quick to judge. Christians are hate-filled hypocrites. They're already ready for us, folks. The world has already made its judgment with regard to us that we are not accepting of them. So it's already, if it's, if it's hard already to be accepting in the church with one another, then when we go into the world, it's just going to be really, really difficult because they perceive us as being judgmental, hypocritical, and very narrow-minded. And we may well be narrow-minded because Jesus says narrow is the way that leads to life and broad is the way that leads to destruction. But there is an acceptance that's meant to flow out of our lives because we know Jesus. And we can love those who don't love Jesus. Amen? So how do I respond to such criticism? How do I respond with the difficulty that the church is so different to the world and the world is so different to the church? And this is just building up more and more as we're going along. Every time you listen to the news, you listen to some criticism against the church, some um, bad advertising about the church and, it's, and what's going on in the church and what's going on in history in the church. And, and, and the, the tanner of church is becoming lower and lower and lower in the world. It's becoming worse and worse in the world. People are thinking, oh boy, who would want to go to church? And there's so many different views, different ideas that are being pushed around now. So how do we respond to that? Well, some of us respond in an interesting way. We could have said, well, you know what? We really don't know what truth is. This is called a postmodern response. Really can't say exactly what it is that is right or wrong. You know? So maybe what they're saying in the world, you know, like maybe it is that, you know, maybe homosexuality is just different. It's not a sin. You know? Maybe we got that wrong in the church, you know? And, you know, maybe we're being too narrow. So, and, you know, you know, 1953, you know, it was a sin to cohabit and live with people, you know, before you got married. You know, only 3% of people cohabited before they got married in 1953. But now, now, 19, of the 2014, 2015, 85 to 90% of people live together before they get married. They cohabit. Things are changing in this world, you know, things are changing. So, you know what? The way I'm going to respond to the fact that Christians are not accepted is I'm going to try and present to people around me that I'm a very agreeable person. I'll just take on, a, you know, I'm not going to beat the drum of right and wrong. 
I'm going to say, well, well, you know, and I'm going to walk a sort of a like a mediocre life. And, you know, and in my own life, I've got problems and struggles. And, you know, I'd like to not wear the hard line that Jesus is wanting me to wear and walk the hard road and walk the narrow path. I mean, I'll just let my, I'll have a few drinks with the boys, you know. I'll get a drunk a little bit. Oh, I'll slip a little bit more and I slip, you know, so I've got a girlfriend on the side. Well, you know, everybody's doing something, you know. Nobody's perfect. Christians are not perfect. They're just forgiven, you know. And pretty soon I've slipped. And then when I come to church and the church is preaching the truth, I feel kind of bad because I've slipped. And so, you know, the way I respond to that is, you know, I don't come as often to church. Because if I come more regularly to church, I feel guilty. So, you know, and I know the church is sort of narrow and judgmental because I'm starting to adopt that. And I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'll start to just come less frequently. And pretty soon I'll just drop out altogether. I'll go at Easter... And Christmas time. But that's about it. But I'm still a Christian. I'm still a Christian, although I'm not one of them. Not one of those judgmental, hypocritical ones. I'm a more noble one. I'm more agreeable. Because we don't like to be seen as being different. So that's one way of responding to it. No, the other way of responding is, oh, look. All the same thing happened and I, I drift and I drift and I drift morally, but I stay in church. I don't ever leave church. I keep on coming religiously to church and say, sorry, Jesus, sorry. Or, or I just stop saying sorry because I've said sorry so many times. And I just live in church and I live my sinful life in church and I block my ears to what the Holy Spirit is saying so I can just get through the day. And I'm, I'm still a Christian and the whole church is doing this anyway. And then all of a sudden the church really isn't the church anymore. The church has become a haven for everybody who is not actually living Christian life. It's a double minor church. And Jesus is standing on the door knocking and in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 and say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Won't you let me come in? Because he's not in the church. He's outside the church now. So that's two responses. I can become backslidden and leave the church. I can become backslidden and stay in the church and the whole church can slip away. There's a third response, which is something like this. You know, we become so sure of what we are. We can become arrogant about what's right and wrong. And, and our preachers can preach about all the, the stuff that's going on in the world. And we can say, yeah, you go for it, save for it. And then we can get in trouble with the media because we're being hard-mouthed and everything like that. And we say, no, we're right. Everybody else is wrong. And we can become adversarial. We can become judgmental. We become very righteous and bigoted dogmatic in our position in the church and we don't care we're safe you're all going to hell we god hates the sinners and the sinners i'm glad that i'm not like one of those and that's not a good option we don't want to go there this is the fourth the ministers of the church can encourage you to go to the word of god and to understand what the word of god says about the issues that are plummeting around in the world today so that you can get a handle on what God says about homosexualities and those sexual issues and understand what the Bible says about that so you don't feel intimidated when the issue comes up and you discuss it. So you can know what the Bible says about social issues that you need to have a comment on. That you are trained in the word of God and you're not scared to listen to another person. You can accept the person even if you don't agree with the person and you can listen to them and it gives you an opportunity to share your faith with them and give them what God has told you about. Because you know what the word of God says. You don't have to come to church to get it from me. You've gone to the word and God's spoken directly to you and you stand confident and you stand secure and you're not trying to be protective by being hard. You can actually go and mix with the people and you can sit down and talk with the people and when they tell you what the church is like you say yes it looks like that but you know the story behind the church do you know why jesus died no i never heard that and you're able to talk to them about what jesus did for their lives and then they come to know jesus like you do but you're not threatening them you don't have to become prejudiced you're accepting just like Christ accepted you. You know, we don't have to hide away and be scared of the world. 
when the world is very, very bad and very, very black. And why? We can be bold because the gospel has the power of God for salvation. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of being a Christian. I love Jesus and I'm not ashamed of that. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For it is the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it was written, the just shall live, or the righteous shall live by faith. You know, Mark says in, uh, in 8, verse 36, that Jesus says, If anyone is ashamed of me in my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, is the, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes before his Father's glory. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, it says, When you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. You know, we've got to get to this place where we don't have to be frightened or ashamed of the fact that we are believers. We don't have to get into a situation where we think, oh, no, you know, um, I know that we've got some bad press out there, so I don't want anybody to know that I'm one of them. No, stop it. You have the way of life, the, the Lord of life living within you. You have the answer to all of those problems and the world is plummeting out of control godlessly going into a, an abyss and people are saying, help us, help us. And you have the, the truth, you have the life and you have the way in you. So don't be ashamed of it. Learn to accept individuals. Learn to hear what they say. You don't have to agree with them just to hear their their point of view, I remember an old man that used to do witnessing. He didn't like to talk to people when he witnessed because he couldn't argue his point, you know. He thought he had to enter into an argument with a person to win the argument. So he would come and he'd give you a track. And when you say, what's this about? You say, don't worry. And he'd walk away because he, he didn't want to argue with you. Didn't want to talk. He thought, you know, if I start to talk, it'll be you wrong and I'm right. And he had to come to some sort of conflict. So he, just, he would give tracks, but he wouldn't talk. Sometimes it's important to sit down and say, what do you really believe? Ask them. It's not going to hurt you because you know what you believe. What do you believe? Well, I kind, of, I kind of picked up from this movie this and I picked up from that movie this and then I talked to a guy in this and then I, I, I don't know, but I think it's kind of like this. Is that what you believe? And then one day they might turn around to you and say, and what do you believe? And then you can say, I believe in the Father, I believe in the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit and the three are one. I believe that he came and he died for me and I believe that when he comes again I'll go to be with him. You can tell him about your faith. You see, you can listen and accept somebody without agreeing with them and accusing them. Everybody say that, I don't have to agree and I don't have to accuse, but I have to accept that's the truth. That's the truth. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says these words, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, or make Jesus Lord, or acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You see, he says, there's the acceptance, gentleness and respect. People ask you, why do you have hope? What is this hope that you have, Phil? Tomorrow you've been baptized, going on for Jesus for a whole year. Can you tell us what this hope is? And he can sit and talk to you about it. He can spit it out, the things that has changed in his life and how Jesus has met him and how Jesus has changed his thinking and how he's changed his behavior and how he has a relationship with God now that he didn't have before. He can give a reason for the hope that he has. Ask yourself the question, am I confident I can give a reason for the hope I have in Christ? Have I got that sorted? Half the reason we have lack of acceptance of people is because we are ignorant of the Word of God. And because we are ignorant of the Word of God, we become defensive. And so rather than get into a discussion... We stop it and put it out there and protect ourselves behind some wall and say, don't talk to me, don't talk to me. I, I got my thing, I don't want to listen to anybody else. 
Sanctify Jesus in your heart. Say, okay, Jesus, your Lord, you teach me. Now, when you're facing this world, we've got to accept that this world is kind of twisted. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is, that, that's descriptive of our society. Our society is, uh, if you've had a wicked weekend, it's usually been good. That's what they say. How was you? We used to say it was really wicked. You know, you had a good time? Yeah, it was filth. What was it? It was filth. What was your weekend like? Filth. And when you say filth, that meant really good. Who put good for bad, light for dark, bitter for sweet. That's our society. That's what our society is like. It's upside down, inside out, and it's messed up completely. Our society is completely messed up. So we know that we're not going to get those issues that uh, we need to... We've got to be wise with regard to what the Word of God says because if you're not wise, this mixed up and messed up world is going to say, it's not wrong for a 12 or 13-year-old to have sex with a boyfriend. They're just exploring. And you shouldn't stop or put boundaries and fences around children who want to explore. And you're going to sit there and go... I really don't know what the Bible... I know it's wrong. I just feel it's wrong, but I don't know what to say about that. I don't know what the Bible says about that. I couldn't take you to a verse because I don't read my Bible that much. I just know it's wrong, and I'm now feeling very ashamed that I can't say much to you, so I'm just going to step backward very quickly and leave you with it rather than challenge it and bring the truth to bear on it. The issue is, you know, we're here for a reason. God put us in the world, the light, not under a bushel, but on top, so it gives light to the world. It's in darkness. And it's upside down, so he needs us to be there. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul tells us very clearly that you've got to make it very careful in this world. Don't be taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the elementary principles or spiritual forces of of this world rather than Christ. So the world is actually out there to try and undermine you. Oh, look, you'll get, you'll get weak in your disposition and you'll feel tempted and then you'll give in to sin. And then a backslidden Christian will come to you and say, it's okay. It's not really sin. Just as long as you are happy. Just be Happy. If it makes you happy, that's good. God would, God's a God of love. He wouldn't, he wouldn't want you to be unhappy. He'd want you to be happy. So even if other people, you're judging them, if other people think that you are doing the wrong thing. You see how it comes? And that's a deceptive thing. And it's out there playing for your soul. And if you take that on board and you, and you believe that and you run with that, what will happen is you'll get sucked into this slippery dip that takes you down the gurgle. Because you'll say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. And then he says, well, why don't you do what I ask you to do? Why when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit convicting, do you harden your heart and put him out? When he says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You say, I know I'm feeling convicted, but I don't want to hear about it. don't want to hear about it. don't want to hear it. I just want to be happy. That's a slippery road. And I want to warn you, friends, you know, the devil is, he's not passive. Don't believe that anything in the world is passive. There are no passive grounds in the world. It's all active. I, I want to listen to 96.5 because it's a nice radio. But 96.5, really, is it? There's some stuff in 96.5 that's just questionable. And it's a slippery road that way. You know, I'd just like to, I listen to this one because that's a nice song and she's kind of a nice person. I know she does some kooky things, but you know, she's got a good voice and she's a nice person. And so, and the slip begins. It's a deceptive slip. And the more people who do it, the more, the more we sit down and think, well, everybody's doing it, so why is it wrong? And we stop doing the thing that will tell us what is wrong. We stop Getting onto the path of righteousness. How shall a young man keep his way clean? By keeping it according to thy word. We don't go to the word. We just go to our friends and get the idea from our friends. And once we get the idea from our friends, that makes it right. So we don't go to the word because if we go to the word, we will discover that we've got off the path somewhere. So the word will bring us back onto the path. 
2 Timothy tells us, Paul says to Timothy, he says, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. Listen, you preach to me about the happy gospel. You preach to me about how it's going to be nice for me and how I'm the center of the whole thing. You preach to me and don't make me feel guilty. And if you don't make me feel guilty, then I'll have a big church. And if I have a big church, then I'm successful. But you know what? You can have a big church and you can have lots of people coming and you can call it whatever you like. It might be a Muslim church. It does just because of the size of it doesn't mean you can make it right. You say, well, there's so many thousands of us here. No, it doesn't make it right if you're not preaching the truth. You get lots of people say, speak to us about how I'm the centre of the whole universe and everything is for me. And Jesus says, you are not the centre of the universe and everything is not for you. Jesus says, I am the centre of the universe and you will worship me. That's a fundamental different one. So it's easy, slippery, slippery road. At the last days, it says many will hear and many will turn away from their faith. You know, this is what he says in Corinthians. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, Paul says. For there are some who are ignorant of God. And I say this to your shame. That's the problem. When we are ignorant of God... And we become ignorant because we choose to be ignorant or we become ignorant because we just don't know. We've got to come back to God. So I don't know. I just feel it's not right what I'm doing, but I don't know why it's not right. I, I, and I opened the scripture and I read it. And I thought, Man, that's sin what I'm doing. This, this thing that I'm doing is sinful. I didn't realize it. And now I see it. God showed me through the word. It's sinful. I've got to stop this. That's ignorant and you go to the word of God. God shows you through the word of God. The other ignorance is don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. But you put your finger in here and say, let's think to you. I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. I want to do what I want to do. And that's the other ignorance. Because you refuse to hear the truth. Remember he said that, you know, some of them fall in their faith because they loved the lie. They didn't love the truth, so they believed the lie. Amos tells us in Amos chapter 8, he says, there's a famine coming. There's a famine in the land coming. He says, it's not a famine of food and a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. That means you're going to go around and say, where's somebody going to preach the truth to me? I go to this church and they just tell me stories and it's just nice things, you know. They're not teaching me the truth. I go to this one and it's all about the music and it's all about no one's teaching the truth. Where can I go to hear the truth of God's word? And Amos says, you know, you're going to find it a hard place because no one's going to be talking about the truth anymore because it's not going to be popular. And if it's not popular, people don't want to speak about it because if it's not popular, you won't go to their church. And if you don't go to their church, the money goes down. If the money goes down, they don't get paid. So we want to have a popular gospel. We want to be famous before the people, but it might not be true. He says there's a time coming where there's a famine on hearing the words of the Lord. In that day, the lovely young woman and the strong young man will faint because of thirst. They won't have the word of God there to help them. They won't have it there for them. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we, we read this one. It says there's a terrible time coming in these last days. And it talks about people being lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, unforgiving. All of those horrible things. But they have a form of godliness. They have a form of godliness. They still go to church. See, this is the problem. When you have to be accepting of the world, you've got to not be agreeing with the world and not accusing the world, but you've got to be firm in your conviction, so much firm that you can accept without being polluted, without moving. And if you don't know what the Word of God says, and if you're not sure what the Word of God says, you're not going to want to go anywhere near those bad, wicked and evil, villainous people because they may just kind of make you slip. 
That's why it's really important to come back to the Word of God and let the Word of God change your life. The Word of God is Holy Scripture and it's able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You don't have to be ashamed. You can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means you can be accepting of individuals. You can be accepting of people who are lost and who are going to hell and love them with the love of Jesus without agreeing with them and without accusing them. Thoroughly equipped to bring them to Saviour. Bring them to Jesus. You can be thoroughly equipped. Why? Because the Word of God equips you to do that. How much time do we spend in the Word of God? How much time do we spend in the Word of God? We spend a lot of time listening to all the other stuff. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 9, he said, When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Now, let me, I don't want to say anything, but you know, we spend more time listening to spirits and demonic ideas coming through the TV. And we adopt those ideas as our value systems without going to the Word of God. We see a movie that sees, it speaks to our emotion, and there's a true point. They present a very lovely, kind, sinful person and put him in a situation where you can justify his sin, and then you are moved to justify sin because you like the guy they present to you. It's the whispering and the mutterings of evil spirits behind the whole thing, setting it up for you to try and believe it. And what does Isaiah say? He says, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Go back to the word of God. It's a lovely TV program. It's nice and sentimental. It's got warm and fuzzy ideas in it. But it is, is, is the thing that they are preaching in the Word of God. Is it true according to God's Word? Lots and lots of songs out there today. Songs. Vehicles of uh, truth or presenting untruth. Songs to tell you, I really love that guy and I want to get that guy or girl. You know, Love songs. I love you. I don't love you anymore. Songs of, oh, you're breaking my heart. I've got to, oh, you hurt me, you hurt me. Songs. So the, I love you and I want you. I love you forever. You're so beautiful. Let me get under your beautifulness or whatever it is. And songs like, give you my beautifulness and you break my heart. I want to kill you. Songs. And what are, and they, and we yeah. <laughs> I did my and I listened to some old ones. You don't own me <laughs> Don't you tell me what to do You don't own me You got that song? You got that song? I was singing that song the other day. I was in the gym doing some workup stuff in the gym and that was on in the end corner. You don't know me, she was singing. And I think, and it got in my head. And I thought, how's that thing got in my head? I'm going through like, you don't own me. And I'm saying, Jesus, you do own me. You own me. Jesus, you own me. Do what? Tell me what to say and tell me what to do. I start turning the whole thing around. And I thought, you don't own me. I thought, I'll use his own words on him. Devil, you don't own me. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't you tell me what to say. You don't own me. And the song went away. Amazing, hey? Take it to the Word of God. What's the Word of God say about it all? Don't consult with the demons and the, and the, and the whispering, muttering spirits that are in behind the media and then behind the TV programs and, and, and motivating. Listen to what the Word, consult the Word of God, the Word of warning. It says, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward, they will curse their king if they listen to the mutterings of spirits. I don't know how you can still go to church. It's so hard to be a Christian these days. God's never been there for me. I'm so disillusioned with Jesus now. Why? You've been listening to the mutterings of spirits and not going to the word of God. 
That's why you're famished, and that's why you're hungry, and that's why you're looking around and saying, what's going on in my life? The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Be diligent to do that, it says. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 19, is it do your best to present yourself as a one approved, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, correctly handling the word of truth. You know, you've got to go and do it. So to be worldly wise, to accept people with compassion, to communicate the message of God's truth, you have to be word wise. Everybody say that. To be worldly wise, to be worldly wise, I must be word wise. Uh, okay. Say it with me again, all together. To be worldly wise, I must be word wise. You understand why? I cannot go and confront sin and sickness and whatever it is in people's life if I am not well dressed down in the word of God. See, the problem that we have in life is we we are dumbed down. Our society has effectively dumbed us down. We don't like reading. We get stuck with these sort of things. You know? If it doesn't go poop, ding, ding, bong, we don't like it. You give me a book and I think, what's that? What's that? What's that? All that black and white stuff on the book? It's the words. Words? What are words? They are vessels of truth, ideas and you know, concepts are wrapped up in words. There, on the... Ah, I don't like words. Why? It takes time to read them. I would rather listen and I would rather play bing, bing, bong, ding. And we're dumbed down. Oh, the devil's got lots and lots of flavors of things that you can play with. Things that you can listen to. Things that you can do other than read God's word. Word-wise means you can accept the individual without agreeing with them. And without accusing them. Why? Because you are secure in your beliefs. So you don't come under threat. You are comfortable with your faith in God. So you're not threatened by what other people have said to you. When I'm traveling in, in, um, in Sydney, I usually get in a taxi and the, there's always a Muslim in a taxi driving it. And I have a little sort of little thing. I say, oh, are you a Muslim? And of course, I can tell they are Muslim. What's wrong with you? Well, you've got something wrong with your eyes. You don't need to ask that question. I'm not asking the question because I don't know. I'm asking the question to enter into a conversation. Hmm. What do Muslims believe? Why would you ask that silly question? Because well, I want to talk to them. I want to find out what they know about what they believe. I already know about the five paths, the five pillars of Muslim. I already know about all the things. I've heard it from all different angles, from different... I know what they're going to say. I say, say, well, you know, does Allah have a son? I already know what they think about that. What's the point? See, we're secure in our faith. We are not going to be through. They can tell us all about how the church and and I'm listening. I say, yeah, and how do you feel? And I'll find out from them where they are. And then what do you, who are you, why are you doing here? I'm a Christian minister. You are? You listen to me? What do you believe? Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Some of you don't want to hear what other people believe because you don't know what you believe. You just don't know what you believe. You haven't spent the time to find out what you believe. You are just hanging out there. You just hope Jesus comes back before anybody asks me what I believe because I know I believe, but I just don't know what I believe. I don't know why I believe. I just hope he just comes back because I don't want to answer those hard questions. You're ignorant to the truth because you don't spend enough time in the truth. You don't let the truth go through your whole body and change the fabric. of You can't walk somewhere without thinking you're going to get contaminated. Listen, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't contaminate the light. The light contaminates the darkness. What is it that you are shrinking from the darkness for? 
Think about this. If you are shrinking from the darkness, there's a problem with the light. Light shines in the darkness and the darkness shrinks away from it. What do you believe? How worldly wise are you? Even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright. Even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright. It's in you. He's in you. The light is in you. And as you get into the Word of God, you become word-wise. So we're not going to have an altar call and have you say, oh, dear, I feel so guilty because I haven't read my Bible last week. We have an idea to help you read the whole Bible. We have an idea. You want to hear what the idea is? This will tell you about the idea. Yeah, there's one up there. Just turn one on. This is an idea that God's laid on our hearts. I want you to listen to it. So, it's not easy to come to God's word every day. There's a thousand distractions for each one of us. And the devil has another thousand ideas he's got to try on us the next day. So just when we've figured out how to get around the temptation from today, there's a new one tomorrow. Because sin is crouching at every one of our doors. So we really want to come alongside you and assist, support to really say, how can I do this every day? And one of the ways the devil loves to get us away from God's word is to isolate us so that we feel like we're the only one. It's too hard on my own. So we want to come alongside everyone here today if you choose to take this opportunity. So what we want to do is today we want to launch a program called WordWise. And WordWise is a program whereby... We as a fellowship, if you want to, if you choose to, start reading the Bible today and then in two years from today, the 21st of June 2015, it'll be 21st of June 2017, you will have read the entire Bible. Who's wanted to read the whole Bible started and then it all got too hard it's not an easy challenge is it I know when I first picked up the bible I did some really dumb 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 things I think the first dumb thing I did was so got to be an executive summary here somewhere surely I can do this in 10 or 15 minutes that didn't work then I thought okay I'll start at the beginning I'll work my way through And I'm sure I'll get it under control in a week or two. That didn't work very well either. There's lots of things we can try and then we fail and then it just makes it that much harder the next time because we think this is going to be boring. I'm not going to understand it. It's going to take too long. So WordWise is a different program. WordWise is a program where you can enter into reading the Bible as fellowship. So what we're going to start today is a WordWise program whereby you can pick up a sheet and on this sheet it has every day of this week and next to every day of this week is a scripture to read. So on this sheet, which is week one, it says Sunday, read Genesis 1 to 3. Monday, read Matthew 1. Tuesday, Genesis 4 to 6. Wednesday, Matthew chapter 2, and so on. So it's just a two-page sheet. And there's some lines here whereby when you're reading those scriptures, you might write down a question that you have, you might write down a thought, you might write down a new revelation that God gives you as you're reading the word. You can write down anything you want to that's important to you when you're reading his word because you're interacting with Jesus when you're reading his word. So you're never alone when you come to God's word. 
So this gives you an opportunity to write some of those important things down. Then, at the end of the week, you can, if you want to, bring this piece of paper back, put it in the pink box, and somebody will take the piece of paper out of the pink box. They will look at your comments and write their own comments on the bottom to encourage you or help you or direct you to another verse if you've asked a question. So there is someone walking with you every day for two years. So there are people here committing to you today for two years. So we're taking this seriously, really seriously. So if you want to start this program today, you're very welcome to. It's taking a sheet. So I test run this sheet this week to see how it went, to see if there are any hiccups, to see if there's any difficulties. So I sat down, I read Genesis 1 to 3, I wrote down a couple of things that I'd never noticed before. Then I sat down and I read Matthew 1 and I thought, oh my goodness, because Matthew 1's got, you know, all the genealogy with all the names that you can't really pronounce and I remembered how difficult it was to read Matthew chapter 1. And I thought, yeah, there's some questions there in my mind about all these names, God. You had it in there for a reason. So I'm saying, yeah, genealogy. I must look back at genealogy. But what was lovely is the way this is Old Testament one day, then New Testament one day, is when I came to the next reading, I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next in Genesis. It was like a story unfolding and then I couldn't wait to get back to Matthew. What's going to happen next? So actually having Old Testament and New Testament, it's like following two stories at once. It took me 10 minutes for most of the reading. So on average, it's about 10 to 15 minutes per day. That's it. And in two years, you can say, I've read the whole Bible. And along the way, there's going to be so many amazing things that God will show you because he so wants to talk to you. This will be a wonderful experience if you choose to take it on. And we are so wanting to support you and we're committing to you today to walk with you for two years. So we'll keep coming back every week with a sheet of paper. So because you're going to end up with a lot of sheets of paper, we figure you need a folder to put it in. So if you choose to come on this journey, you may choose to purchase a folder. So we thought about how do we do this? It would be great to give you all folders, but we don't have that much money in our little bank account. So to purchase one of these folders is $10 if you want to. You may not want to purchase a folder, that's fine. And then inside the folder, we'll give you the little sheets to go inside so that you can keep all of the sheets over the two years and this becomes a resource then on your shelf. And we talked about at the prayer workshop what a beautiful idea it is to actually write down the journey with God to give to your children so that when you're gone, all those beautiful things that God wanted to give you, you can now hand on to the next generation. So there's a folder if you want to. And then, while we're on folders, we thought, well, we're taking notes every day and God's talking to us every day here at church from sermons. So there's a sermons note folder if you want to as well. So in a moment, I'll ask who might be interested in getting a sermon note folder so you can put all your sermon notes together and keep them. And who might be interested in one of these and then we've got an idea how many we need to go out and buy. So... The choice you have in front of you is, am I willing to start a two-year Bible reading plan today? It's totally up to you. But this is available for everyone. So there's no minimum age, there's no maximum age. Whatever you want to write on the piece of paper or not write on the piece of paper is totally up to you. You can make this work however you want to. Just know that we're prepared to walk with you however you want to do it. We'll try and be as flexible as we can. But you can be guaranteed that there will be lots of encouraging comments. This isn't meant to be a test, this little piece of paper. This is meant to be something to help you continue in God's word. 
So this is encouraging comments. These are not critical comments. These will not be putting you down. These will not be negative comments. They won't be saying you've got it wrong. These will be encouraging you to keep going, keep going, keep going. We're here to walk with you in a positive, encouraging way. So, shall we get numbers for folders and then maybe hold this, hand these out? So, now you know what the idea was. I've already talked to them because I do see some, some have said that they want to do this for sure. Well, you know, they said, this is, would like to do this. And we have people who are willing to give you feedback and you know, help you if you have questions to help, help you to find the answer to those questions. Then we have plans later on to actually run workshops you know, where we'll say maybe we all have gone through Genesis chapter 1 to 3 and, and we've got lots of different ideas about you know, the creation story and what's happening there and, 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 and we might have a workshop just to discuss the ideas of Genesis and creation. So we might put a workshop on like that just for that because there's so many questions. So this is going to help us to move through. This. I want to just give me a show of hands. If you'd like to commit to that sort of thing, put your hand up. And that's okay. You don't have to, but if you want to. The idea is not, it's not in just reading the Word of God. It's in going through the Word of God, listening to the Word of God, and then asking questions and having someone dialogue with you, talk to you about that. Okay, so what we do now is if you want to, have to do this, then we'll come out. We've got sheets at the front. You take a sheet with you, put it in your Bible, take it home and do it. Next week, you bring it back to us. You put it back in there and we'll take the sheets from you. you. Please put your name on the sheet so we can return them to you. Then the following week, if you want to purchase a... If, if you want to purchase, I'll tell you what the cost of these things are. It's $4.99 in, uh, in uh, Officeworks. That's $5 in Officeworks. And then for uh, two years, plastic sheets, it's about $14. 100 plastic sheets. So that's $14 already. So we're already... If you just go through this whole... The reason we want you to spend some money on it is because we believe that if you invest in something like this, and we don't ask you to pay for anything, really. We've given books away and journals away and dozens. We come with a whole bundle of books and gave them all. I just take notes and you've all taken them away and then we see them, one or two of them come back and the rest of them are somewhere at your... And we've done that before, but we want you to pay for this one this time because we want you to value this. And if you put money in it, you'll value it. If you don't put money in it, you won't value it. And then it's that resource on your shelf. And I know it's old paper and pen stuff. It's not technology. But listen, there's a reason why I want you to get away from the technology. Well, you young people, I want you to go and sit in a paddock where there is no wires and no FaceTime and no other things distracting your mind and sit down with the Word of God and just talk to Jesus and His Word. Get away from the technology. Get away from the, the screen. Get away from the thing in your ear. Get just to the old-fashioned way of doing it. And the, Because there's problems and distractions all wrapped up with Facebook and Instagram and music and everything. This is Jesus' time with you. Okay? Can you do that, you reckon? All right, that's our gift to you. Our gift is the pastoral staff and other well educated people in the word of God will walk through this with you for two years if you want to do this let's stand up and father we just ask that you would help us to value your word lord we so want to be worldly wise we want to be able to help people to get out of the darkness and into the light we want to be able to instruct and to teach and to correct with grace and, and, and mercy, Father, and be able to shine your, your loving word into broken people's lives, Father. But we can't do that unless we know your word, and Father. We just can't. It's not a, a simple fix, Lord Jesus. It takes discipline and takes time to learn your word, Father. So give us strength, Father, and give us a willing heart, Father, to clothe ourselves with your word on a daily basis father help us to walk together as a fellowship to make your word the center of our lives we ask it in jesus name and everyone said amen, amen.